and we are back here live with the All-American Red Shirts host, as always, Gunnar Crosby, co-host Cam Thomas. Here we go. Cam, long time, no see, or no talk, I guess. I am seeing you on Skype right now, but it's been a minute, man. It's been a while. Georgia beat Auburn. Man, it feels good to be a dog. Dogs on top. We're rolling. Went into Jordan-Hare Stadium and whacked that ass. Went to a prevent defense and you know gave up some points there, but we'll jump into that here in a little bit. <laughs> How's the week been for you? Oh, not too bad. Been super busy, especially with uh, the holidays coming and especially Thanksgiving. What is next week? So yeah. there's just a lot of stuff at work happening, and you can just tell everyone's kind of like stressed out because everyone knows they're gonna go see family and some family members you just don't want to see. <laughs> And stuff like that. So people are stressing out, but work's been good. Work's flying by. Tomorrow's Friday, which is like, heck yeah. Like, man, this week, I was talking to someone the other day, and we both said, like, man, this week's gone by real slow. And I was like, yeah, normally these weeks go by fast, but this week has just been slow. And I only work one day next week. I'm so excited. Man, I get that's four exciting. days off. Woo! It's, yeah. gr- it's going to be a great week next week. I feel you on that because. This Friday, or tomorrow, when the listeners are listening to this today, I guess, will be my first vacation in four and a half years. He's a free man. (laughs) Four and a half years, so it's incredible. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Great college football next weekend as well. With that being said, we'll cover some of that. Two was out for the season. Horrible news. And we got Cam's best bets. So, let's get it guys for tuning in as always we wouldn't be here without y'all man huge weekend for the georgia bulldogs going into jordan Hare. very hostile environment tops auburn and it was not even close again 21-0 going into the fourth quarter georgia kind of lays back a little bit starts playing a zone defense and auburn just picks them apart came down to the wire there at the end it shouldn't have been close but we uh, had an onside kick that was recovered by Auburn, but Anthony Schwartz was too fast for his own good. Helped us out there, so I shout out to that guy, number five. Appreciate you. Um, Seth Williams catch. There was a lot of debate about that. I don't know. Did you watch that game, Cam? Yeah. Um, what was your take so, on that? Yeah, so I thought it was a catch. It's so close and so hard to at like in the heat of the moment to call it for the ref, but at the same time, with the replay, you've got to get it right, and I think I, I don't know. I thought it was a catch. But so, here's my take is it was it was not a catch. He had his feet in, but he bobbles the ball as he's going out of bounds. So you see his right hand leave the ball, and that's where it comes into question. I know, I know, and it's such a hard thing to like really 
really see if it just moves by a little. Is it just because his arms moving a little, not letting, and it's not being tight against his body? I don't know. Like it's it's so hard, and I hate when games come down to a couple plays and like that's a play that could literally dictate the rest of the season for two teams. So it's like I hate when it happens, but I thought it was a catch, but it is well, what it is. They had their opportunity, and Bo Nix uh, choked on a dick right there at the end on fourth and two and threw the ball three yards behind his running back. So <laughs> He did. That was so <laughs> bad. It was just was, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was ecstatic like, about that. Wide open running back probably went for 10-plus yards and just whiffs. It was awesome. So Yeah, it's like just overall the game, Georgia just handled it easily from the start. But then I was kind of shocked that Auburn came back. Georgia obviously, like you said earlier – uh, played conservative, and I don't get why coaches ever play conservative after getting a lead. Just keep keep doing putting it. your foot down on the pedal and just keep going. Why, why play conservative? You know exactly. from all the years of your coaching and watching football in general, playing conservative is not the way to go ever, ever, unless you're up like 50 points. Maybe I mean, then it's okay. Here's my theory is why change what's working. Our defense Thank was you. shutting them down. All they had a shutout. They had no points in the first half. They barely even got into their own side of the on their own side of the field, or into our side of the field. It was insane. They barely crossed a fifty in the first half, and then you suddenly the fourth quarter you get a twenty-one zero lead, three a three touchdown lead. And you want to start changing up the defense? Like, no, dude. Georgia's offense had nine three and outs in that game and still won. Jeez, nine three and outs. We scored three That's touchdowns. Crazy. Three touchdowns on twenty-two plays. <laughs> that's, that's really wow we literally had three drives i didn't know where, that we had three drives that produced points that were all touchdowns the rest of our drives were either three and outs or we punted the ball it was insane see, that's so see that's where if georgia plays a better team like if they get in the top four they can't have that because if they have that they're getting their uh, ass wiped off that field i think like, that's they, the best defense we'll see all year even in the playoffs it certainly could be i don't think it is but who, Who has a better Could defense right be. now than Auburn? Ohio State. Wrong. No, Ohio State easily does. Yeah, with Chase Young, yes. Yes, they're way more complete overall. I think uh, Georgia's offensive line handles Chase Young easily. Well, you got Andrew Thomas, like a generational left tackle. So That's what I'm saying. Andrew we'll Thomas, see. Isaiah Wilson on the other side. Look, let's put yeah, it this way. Guys... Between Florida and Auburn. As good as defensive lines as those are, we've given up one sack to both those teams combined. Which is incredible, but Insane. I just don't think you've played a uh, – I won't say a complete defense because I'm I'm wrong in saying that because Florida is a pretty complete defense and Auburn's certainly a complete defense. But I just don't think you've played somebody like Ohio State's caliber where it's not just the defense. The offense will put pressure on – say they score a couple times, will put – that will put more pressure on Fromm in the offensive line to keep him upright with the defense bearing down. And if they're playing with a lead, the defense for Ohio State, it it's not game over, but they're just coming in, just wrecking people. So no, I, mean, I can I, see that happening. I agree that Ohio State's definitely the more complete team, and it's not even close compared to Auburn. But I'm just saying, like I think the, you get the up a little from bit. Auburn's better. You, you could be, but in in this situation, I don't think it would be because. They would be down. Georgia most likely would be down. And the way Ohio State's defense, they will play a little different. They'll play more aggressive. And, yes, that will let up a big play here or there. But 
the aggressiveness will accumulate more sats, will accumulate more turnovers. So I just think that's a reason why I think Ohio State's defense would be better just because that they would have the lead most likely. Certainly could be wrong, but that's what I would think if they played each other. Yeah, I mean, there's only one way to find out, and hopefully Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship and which, moves on. Which they, yeah, which they certainly could. But yeah. then that sets up talking about how Auburn came back on Georgia, which brings up a good point. Since Auburn came back, there was even a better comeback. The Oklahoma Sooners coming back from 28-3 to against Baylor. Baylor was playing out of their mind the first half. It was an incredible to see. We haven't seen Oklahoma get smoked this bad in a long time for a first half. And they just – Oklahoma couldn't do nothing. Jalen Hurts could not run, could not throw. Baylor's defense was just in the backfield hitting them all the damn time and just making him roll out, and just, there was nothing there for him. And it was like, wow, this Baylor team is legit. But then all of a sudden the second half comes out, and it's like Baylor never even showed up. Yeah. They are just like, oh, we got to win. No, instead, Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley put together one beautiful second half, and they come back from 28-3 to to win it 34-31. to Like, how does Baylor only score three points in the second half? Charlie Brewer, their quarterback, was shredding, shredding Oklahoma, them. was just running all down their throats, and it was incredible to watch because it's like, yeah, we know Oklahoma doesn't have a great defense, and that's the Big 12 in general, but the way Brewer was just – being so tactful down the field, it was it was beautiful to see. And then all of a sudden, second half, there was nothing. Obviously, the defensive coaches for Oklahoma changed some of the schemes and stuff, but Baylor didn't change. And I, I was a little confused. I was like, Matt Rule, when are you going to do something to help your offense? And nothing came. Yeah, nothing ever and that up. defense, and that defense was on the field though so much of the second half that they were just worn out and I understand that but man they should have won that game they if Baylor won that game they would be literally right there in the college football playoff and if they obviously they would probably have to play Oklahoma again in the bid 12 championship and they beat them again then they're I honestly believe they were in just the way they were playing but now it's no they might get a New Year's Six Bowl but I'm a little disappointed but hey I think Baylor is a Fun team to watch and a fun team going forward, and not just this year, but even next year too, with Matt Rule as the head coach. Yeah, I mean it's they fell into the trap, dude. As a Georgia sports fan, I know all about it. The twenty-eight to three lead, it's a trap. It's a lie. If you ever have that lead, it's not ever actually a lead. Keep playing, <laughs> keep playing. But I mean Baylor fell into it, and I really chalk it up to Matt Rule learning how to win the big games. You know he's in that situation and. You got to make an adjustment. You're at home, of all things, in a hostile environment, man. I mean, the student section was rocking, and they're right there on the field. So it's uh, it's just Matt Rule coming. He's got to learn, dude. It's experience, and you're playing a great coach in Lincoln Riley, who's been in all the big games, the big game scenarios, Rose Bowls, all kinds of stuff. So I think it just came down to that, the coaching, really, at the end of the day. And Jalen Hurts put on a hell of a show in the the second half. I think he had three touchdowns, 200 yards passing in the second half alone. So it was something crazy like that. So, I mean, good for him. They earned it, you know. But Baylor, I agree, is going to be a good team to – a fun team to watch. A lot of people are really, like, even saying that they shouldn't even have a football program after what Art Bryles did there and the the rest of that university. 
But I think that's a little too extreme. <laughs> Agreed. But so I don't get I don't get the reasoning behind people wanting that. And it honestly, there's not enough to warrant Baylor not having a football team over that. No, I agree with you. If, and if Penn State still has a football team, then Baylor should still have a football team at the end of the day. Because I, I mean, both what both universities are just is completely unacceptable. But I agree with you. The extent of what that would do to the university is probably just not, in the grand scheme of things, for the future, fifteen, twenty, thirty years down the line, it's not a good thing. I mean, look at SMU. They got blackballed in what was it, the eighties, I think, and they've never been the same. So, and they still have a football group. They just got blackballed. So, but speaking of Penn State, huge game this week. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast with Chase Young coming back. Ohio State versus Penn State in Columbus. The only thing that's super shitty about this is it's a fucking noon game. It's a noon game, dude. Yeah. The first time I heard about this game this season, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great game. This is going to set up. This is going to be a night game under the lights going to set up for whoever wins this game goes to the college football playoff but no instead some smart people out there the powers decide to, to make yeah some powers to be make it at 12 p, uh 12 p.m and it makes no sense like this one this is the best game of the entire day it should be at 7 30 8 o'clock on abc with hurt herb street and chris fowler calling the game like, there is no reason why it should not be there. But, no, instead it's at 12 o'clock, and it makes no sense at all. I still will watch it, and I'll still love the game. But it's it's, it's there's not as much, I guess, flamboyancy in it. And, and that helps a lot with media and everybody watching it. It's like everyone, obviously, there's more people watching football at 8 p.m. than there are at 12 p.m. Yeah, I mean. So, so that, that – hurts both teams especially the team that does win because they won't be seen as much but still nonetheless whoever wins it's going to be a huge boost if it's ohio state ohio state basically is in if penn state wins that throws a huge wrinkle in the whole college football playoff um, system because penn state will move up super high and ohio state is still one of the best teams so they should still be in there so who knows i'm really hoping penn state wins this but it's at Ohio State. Chase Young comes back from his two-game suspension, so he's going to be fired up, healthy as heck, just ready to get after Sean Clifford in that offense that has sputtered recently. So, I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm super excited to watch it. Yeah, the only like, it's I can't believe it's a noon game, dude. Eight o'clock games are so much better. I mean, you're still waking up at noon on a, on a Saturday, especially at our age, Cam. We're just going out and partying the night before. It's our first vacation in four and a half years, getting fucked up, barely, and then you wake up at eleven thirty, hungover as hell. You're like, "Damn, Ohio State plays in thirty minutes." <laughs> like it's just you can't get up for that. And I, I mean, the players are the same way, the fans are the same way. I mean, you got to start tailgating at eight o'clock for that, if not earlier. I've so, always hated tailgates that early, even though you can cook yourself some aid, eggs and bacon and some waffles, pancakes. It's just it's. Try drinking beer at 8 in the morning. It's just, yes, beer is great at any time of the day, but, like, beer at 8 in the morning just does not sound good. No. It doesn't taste as good. And then imagine taking 
vodka shots or uh, tequila. Like, smelling tequila at eight, seven, seven thirty, eight in the morning. Oh my god, that that just ruins your day. Like I'm hungover just smelling it. Like after for a twelve. <laughs> The After only the age of 21, 12, it's just like yeah. you can't do that anymore. <laughs> the only good thing about 12 o'clock games are after the game, you got the rest of the day and night to do whatever you want. So you can go downtown and go party with all your friends and all everybody else, or you can go home, take a beautiful long nap, and just go watch more college football. Like It's a perfect situation for that, but 12 o'clock games just suck for tailgating. And if yeah. you really like tailgating – You'll understand. If you don't, then sorry. You're missing yeah. out on one of of life's best experiences out there. Yeah. I mean, the only time it's acceptable is for the Florida-Georgia game, and that's just a, an all-week party down there at the, uh, at the uh, world's largest out- outdoor cocktail party. But as my mom says, a beer is just a biscuit in a can. So what, what better way to start your day? <laughs> that's true. That's super true. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Georgia, though, huge game this weekend. Texas A&M comes into Athens, Sanford Stadium, between the hedges. And this is a scary game for me, dude. I'm not – you would think that I'd be confident coming off a big win in Auburn. Team played well. Defense showed out, as always. But it's going to be raining. And it could be a letdown game. Coming off of Auburn that high. Tough, physical-ass game. And you have to come back and get ready in the in the, another six days, seven days to to play Texas A and M, who has a dual threat quarterback in Kellen Mond, who will probably be the second best quarterback we see all year, behind Ian Book. So it's gonna it's gonna be a good game. They have a great defense as well. There's a lot better defense than what most people think, and their offense is very um, unique in the fact that it's a uh, two running back, two tight end kind of set you know it's just more traditional than what we're used to facing we've been we've seen spread all year and now we got to get prepared for a different style of offense which good for us in a sense because we run that style of offense so we see it in practice a lot but when you're game planning and you're gonna have to make this switch it's almost like practicing for georgia tech and the triple option you know so i'll be curious to see how georgia reacts coming off a huge win it's a 330 game so we got the prime time slot as always Go dogs! That's what happens. You're on top. So, what is your uh, no? What is your opinion yeah, on this? Yeah, this game actually is super intriguing, especially um, looking at both teams, especially Texas A&M. They're coming in at seven and three. People kind of wrote them off after their early couple losses in the season, and obviously we know what Georgia is about, and Georgia is. One of the best teams in the country, and coming off a huge win, they could have a letdown here, like you said. Um, Texas A&M is coming in to just upset Georgia's plans. With Jimbo Fisher, you never know what you're going to get um, from Texas A&M, especially the last two years. But Jimbo's going to have Texas A&M, I think, well-prepared for Georgia. I think it's going to be a closer game than most people think. But I still think Georgia pulls it off probably sometime in the fourth quarter. Don't know exactly when, but I think Texas A&M will give Georgia a great battle, better than most people think. And, yeah, I yeah. honestly, I would not even be surprised, too, if Georgia has a letdown and Texas A&M wins. I could, I could see that, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... highly doubt it, but I could see it, and I would not be – I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be semi-surprised if 
if that makes yeah. sense. Like you I can be, see it, but I can't. It'll be an upset, but regardless, you know, it's, I don't see it happening, but if I could see it happen, like you're saying, it's kind of hard to describe. But Texas A&M could potentially be a five-loss team. But this is going to be the best five-loss team in the country. Right now, they're, they're seven and three right now, and their losses are Clemson, Auburn, and Alabama. <laughs> then they play Georgia, Those and then be, LSU the week after. Crazy, that's a crazy <laughs> – that's a – that's a – those losses are just like those are wins. Those are just straight <laughs> wins. Like losing to those teams is just wins. Those are better than everybody else's wins. Like come yeah. on, you're playing those teams and you lose. If you it's not that bad of a loss, but I know some of a, some of the losses are decent, decently big. But you imagine going seven and five, and the five teams you lost to are Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. <laughs> like, what do you even do with that? And in Georgia and LSU are on the road back to back weeks. Yeah, I say fire the coach because that should never happen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should not lose five games a season. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're paying Jimbo Fisher way too much. That there's no way they. There's got to be a balance, right? Fire. You're paying this dude well, seven and a half million dollars a year, and then you put him in a schedule like this. Like, that's true. That's true. Um, no, I I just think. Uh, they just have a super hard schedule this year, and it's second year. What do you expect? So, I just I think Texas A&M will get there eventually, but right now they're not, and they're just going through their gauntlet. And it's unfortunate that it's happening in Jimbo's second year. I think it's second year. I have no idea to be honest with you. Second or third year? Shoot, I man, time's going by fast. So next big game: Michigan versus Indiana. Michigan is on a roll right now. Indiana is playing extremely well this season compared to years past. Where do you think how do you think this game goes as far as for Michigan? They continue this this role that they're on? I believe that Michigan is going to do what Michigan always does when they play Indiana. Play a crappy game and let Indiana be right there almost ready to win it. At the very end of the game. But somehow Michigan will end up winning by three to seven points. Like they almost always do against Indiana. Indiana's always so close. They're so close. But I think Michigan, they're they're looking ahead to Ohio State next week. That's the big game. That That's all they care about for the whole season. They don't care if they win, if they go to the college football playoff or anything. They just want to beat Ohio State. And I think they're going to be looking ahead to play Ohio State, and I think Indiana has a real good shot at beating Michigan, especially the way Indiana moves the ball down the field with that offense, and we know that Michigan's defense isn't that good, as good as it's been. Even though Michigan's been playing super hot lately, I just believe Indiana will... I think... I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. I can... I say I could see about 60% seeing Indiana win the game, but at the same... At the same time, since Michigan's playing so hot, I, I wouldn't be shocked that it, Michigan um, beats Indiana in a close game. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. If I see a blowout, I'm going to be like, damn, maybe Michigan did turn the corner and they're going to have a really good game against Ohio State. We'll see, but I think Indiana has a really good shot here. Yeah, I think Indiana has a good shot as well. I think Michigan ends up winning this game. I just don't think it's a blowout like you were saying. If Michigan wins this game, they have a lot of momentum going into the Ohio State game, which makes that a little more interesting. Where at the beginning of the year we thought that was just going to be a bloodbath, which I still think it's going to be in a cer- to a certain extent, but not nearly as bad as it was. 
I'm curious to see that game if if Michigan wins this, but I don't know much about either one of those teams. Unfortunately, I just know that Michigan struggled all year. Indiana's playing their ass off as of comparatively to where they have been previous years. So, Shea see, Patterson I the, is. I think the biggest thing is is <clears throat> on the one side of the ball, Michigan versus or Michigan's defense against Indiana's offense. If Indiana can score enough points on Michigan, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Shea Patterson and the wideouts to start throwing and going deep. And they haven't been known to go deep really with this offense and move pretty fast. Yeah. So that gives Indiana with those linebackers they have and uh, corners that are really good to step up and make some plays and, and I think that can be a huge turning point in the game. And so I, I think it's that's the side of the ball you need to start paying attention to, especially for this game. The other side, I think, just kind of negates itself. But it's going to be a real fun Big Ten matchup to watch. Absolutely. I mean, college football is good regardless. But it's amazing that like next week is the last week of the regular season. Dude, it's like how we did wait it go so long for college football so season, fast. and it goes by so fast. It's insane. It's upsetting, honestly. Yeah, like we wait for six months, and it's here, and then we're like, oh, my God, the first month, oh, it's crazy. Second month, oh, crazy. Then it's like, shoot, we got some more games, some more games, then all of a sudden it's over. It's like, wait, I'm just getting ready. Like, yeah. I, I hate that because then it starts turning into um, spring, and then that's where there's no good sports on. Yeah, and then you're like we're just back watching in, recruiting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, this sucks, but – Whatever. It's going to be a fun bowl season coming up and some good uh, military games and some conference championship games. So Yeah, I mean, it's it's always – I mean, the, this is when it's the best football, really. It just sucks that it's towards the end of it. So, But moving on to some of the big storylines from last week. Tua's out for the season with a hip, hip injury, very similar to Bo Jackson's injury that he had that ended his career. Not the same injury, but very similar in certain ways. I I don't know where to go with this. I mean, I feel bad for him. Tua's a great leader. Everything you've ever heard about Tua is positive. Never hear anything bad about him. So it sucks that he's injured. Do you, If you're Nick Saban, do you play him? And like he said, trying to get that practice your two-minute offense in some game-time scenario and just you know, work some kinks out in the film room after? Or do you pull them at 35-7 to seven and say, you know what, this is just not worth it? I mean, as a head I would coach. Not, I would not even had him play in the game, first of all. That's where I think it first went wrong. He should have just been sitting. Like, who cares playing this game? They don't need him for this game. Let the backup get some reps and third string get reps. Why do they need him in this game? There, there was no reason why. Maybe the only... Maybe one reason is to pad his stats for maybe the Heisman, but I think Joe Burrow has that lock and key, but they're thinking maybe Tua has a good shot, and that's why he's in there, and I certainly can see that, but I think it was a big mistake for first having him in the game, and then since having him in the game for such a long time, and it, they were up 35-7, to 7, there's no reason why not to take him out. Like, you're up that much, why do you need him in there? You don't. Take the stud-wide receivers out. Put the backups in. The backups need some time to play and shine and get some PT. So it's like, I think it was a terrible coaching mistake and maybe this is the downfall of Saban. Maybe, maybe recruits just see that Saban doesn't care about them as much as he likes to say he does. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you in the in certain aspects of that. I disagree with saying that Tua shouldn't have played at all. I still think that any any time you have a conference game that it's it means something to a certain extent. You got to play them. I mean, anytime you play any game, you should play your starters at least the first half. Is my my opinion? But even when they're not healthy. No, I mean that's and that's like he came they, in I, with. I, like, I get what you're saying, but they just they made the decision that he was healthy enough to play, which I agree with you is there's a difference between healthy and healthy healthy enough to play. But as a competitor, were, you know. And the thing we're hype it, uh, saying this against is it's not like he hurt his ankle really. It was he 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 got his like hip out of place or something. It was like it wasn't even to deal with the injury that he already had. So it's like no one could have expected this. So I understand that part of it. It's not like he re-aggravated and be like people would be like, well, yeah, he needed more rest, but it was a whole total different injury. Yeah, and going back to what you said about the recruits realizing that Nick Saban doesn't really care about them as much as they would like to think he does, he actually did an interview, our press conference, after obviously addressing the Tua injury, and he's like, yeah, I called him, and he cheered me up, and then I called him the next night, and he cheered me up again. And then he goes on to say that Tua was one of the four to five players that he truly loves, that he's been a part of. Truly loves. So it's like you have all of these players. I don't know. And you only truly love four to five. He goes, where, you know, like I love them as a person. You know, that it just kind of is a bad look if you really think about I think, it. I, no, I agree. And I think that's more of him saying that to say that to save face a little bit. Because I bet you he's liked other players, but he's just never come out and said that. I think this is more of to ease the media um, scrutiny against him. I agree with but you. But I, I, he could have came out and said that to I love extent. Tua as a leader and I love him as a person. He didn't yeah. say he didn't have to say I only love four to five of my players that I've ever had in my coaching career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's just exactly. I just think it, I think it was kind of like not disingenuous, but like just not real per se. It was a little over the top. Yeah, it was. It was a weird take or a weird comment to make in a press conference for sure. To oh, be, very to be vocally uh, like because now to me, if if I'm a player that plays for Alabama and I'm not Tua, it's like does Nick Saban really love me as a person? Like does he care about me as a person? Well, you know, according then, to Nick Saban, no. So it's just it's crazy, but yeah, I mean he's literally just a a mill for NFL players. If you really think about it, he's just pumping them in and out, bringing them through the university at all costs. And he wants to win a national championship and whatever that means to you and your body, then that's what's got to happen. Exactly. So, come to Georgia instead, where we love you and take care of you. And just don't <laughs> and not win national championships. Uh, still more than UCF, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> still more than UCF. Not more than Notre Dame. At what point do you consider national championships irrelevant? Well, okay, then we got to start taking a lot of national championships away from a lot of teams. I'm just saying that was a, just a, gen, a general question. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. This, this could be a discussion, a huge, <laughs> long, debated discussion that uh, we don't have time for. Like no, this, yeah, we, this, that would go on we forever. Could, <laughs> oh, we can debate the Cornhusker fans. We can debate Ohio State fans, USC fans. Like, uh, 
and it's just it's crazy. But yeah, I agree. There there's a certain extent to how much you should count your national titles, like how far back, like yeah, from the eighties on. Something yeah, like until that. they're irrelevant. Yeah. Because like in the full thirties, forties, who are they playing? They're playing like ten teams, and maybe two of them are good. And the like, best ones, Yale or Harvard. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like, I don't ever count those, but whatever. We'll move on from yeah, that. Yeah, we'll move on. Speaking of weird, or I guess not weird, but questionable acts, Sean Clifford's getting death threats from fans. And that's just not even questionable. It's just uncalled for. If you're a fan listening to this and you've ever sent a death threat to a player that plays at your university that you're a fan of, go fuck yourself. And I'm yeah, there is, there, yeah, there is no reason. No, absolutely no reason. It's, it's to just send, ridiculous. To send death threats to a player on your team. Like, there is no reason. Like, he is trying his hardest. You don't know the amount of pressure he's under. You don't know how much time he's putting in there. It, it's uncalled for. And it just makes me sit to my stomach to see stories like this of such a hard-working player just get demolished for having a bad game and the people that send these get away scot-free and aren't held accountable for what they're saying like yeah they should definitely there should be some kind of repercussion for that i agree with you sean clifford had to shut down his social medias because there was so many of them it's like penn state fans what are you doing it wasn't too long ago where you might not have a football program, and now you're sending death threats to your quarterback. Like, that's just that's just a low, low, low class. Yeah. Just like way low class. Like, and I like Penn State a lot, but like some of those fans, and like a little earlier this year, you had that um, Penn State fan sent to one of the um, players about how. His fucking hair or whatever. Yeah. Hair is not a good look. So it's like I completely forgot business. about that. They can do whatever they heck they want as long as it's within the guidelines of the NCAA, whatever that is. They can do whatever they want. It's their bodies. Um, they can look the way they want and stuff like that. Don't I? I, I don't get. Th- I don't get this older generation wanting to try and control the younger generation and it's like that in a lot of different things and they think they're all powerful and mighty i'm sorry you're not you're dying at a high rate good wow cam is really just throwing shade at the i just don't like older listeners (laughs) i just don't like boomers they're annoying (laughs) i'm sorry if there's any listening out there it's not all of you there's just a there's just a select uh, uh, select group of them. Yeah, they're just awful. Giving you a bad name. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It's not all of them. It's just Cam. You're about like, to get you're about to get death threats from the the all American redshirt fans in your inbox. You have to shut down your social media accounts. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Say bring it. <laughs> that's funny as hell. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just insane to think about. Like, like here's the way I look at it: it's like Sean Clifford was injured that game. He went to the tent, got looked at, and came back out and continued to play. Exactly. And as bad as we want them to win and as fans as we want to win for this team, we don't practice every day of the entire year where you have a month off at the most as a college football player. The most a month off throughout the year. So it's like you don't think these guys want to win more than you do? Like these, They're literally every single day working their ass off to make sure that they're at the best they can be 
to win the game and you're just like yeah you play you had a bad game go fuck yourself you should go kill yourself like years ago when alabama lost to i think it was lsu by a field goal it's one of those games like nine to six or something crazy i seen a tweet and it was awful please if please do not ever tell somebody this it was kind of like a joke and it's not really a joke but the the tweet was there were reports that the alabama kicker would try to hang himself in his dorm room but he couldn't kick the chair out from underneath him jesus i've never heard this one yeah that's like, bad yeah but it's just how do you have the audacity as a human being to say that to another human being or imply like it's just I don't know, dude. I don't understand it. I don't know how you can be such a, I'm a passionate fan. Trust me, I have a video calling for somebody to be fired out on Twitter right now. And I haven't wore a piece of Georgia gear since that video has come out and we lost to South Carolina. I'm a very passionate fan. But to wish death on somebody is just... I don't even... It's indescribable. It leaves you speechless. I can't believe it. I can't believe that some... Especially a fan base of a university that was literally raping little children 10 years ago. Like, it's just... I don't get it. I don't know. I know. I lost the words. Well, yeah, let's let's move to a, something on a lighter note. Yeah, please. For God's sake. I'm getting pissed off we'll right now. We'll move into... How about the rankings? So we had the college football playoff rankings. Week, I think it was two for the rankings. Um... Yeah, so they came out on Tuesday, and to much surprise, the top seven remained the same. There was no movement at all with Georgia beating Auburn. They didn't move up ahead of Clemson or Ohio State. They stayed at four. Um, and then you still have Oregon, Utah at six and seven, Bama at five. So it's like uh, top seven is the same. You had a little bit of movement from eight, nine, and ten. Minnesota dropped two spots from eight to ten. And Oklahoma and Penn State, with their wins, moved up one spot each. So, overall, it was kind of just a whatever college football playoff ranking week. It's nothing crazy happened. Obviously, we know a lot of good games are coming up. So that, especially uh, Ohio State number two against Penn State number eight, will be a great game. So we'll know. We'll see one of those teams kind of knocked out. Um, and we got some other good games coming up. Maybe there's some surprises down a little farther. You got. We got two four-loss teams in the top 25. Four-loss teams. That is, I, I think that's inexcusable. There should not be any four-loss teams when you got other nine and one, nine and three, or nine and one, eight and two teams that are being left out. You got Iowa State at six and four and USC at seven and four. Like USC, they're going <laughs> to fire their head coach this year for going. Seven, four, eight, and five. Like, yeah, it makes no sense why those teams are in the top twenty-five, and where there's some um, group of five teams like Navy or Navy. Um, what else? There was like Navy. You got group of five Navy, San Diego State, um, North Dakota State that are outside, and they they only have one two losses. Like, there's no reason they can't be in there. But you also got teams like Indiana. Um, Virginia, Pittsburgh, who's been playing really well of of late, that aren't in there. It's like you're rewarding some of these losses better than wins, and this is, that should not happen. And it's just frustrating to see, and it's something that 
will continue to happen, but yeah, what it is, what it is. You know what's really frustrating for me, and I this is the only gripe I have about this ranking this this week is I think everything should have stayed the same. But how did Penn State jump Minnesota? Both are a one-loss team, but Minnesota has the head-to-head against Penn State. Like, and Minnesota's to, was obviously why? the better team that day. It wasn't even close. Minnesota. Want to know why? It was insane. I think every everybody forgets this, and this is one of the biggest keys: is when do you lose? The earlier you lose, the better. Yeah, but like that was what like a week ago, two weeks ago, if that. Like, oh, oh, I know. Trust me, trust me. It's not like Penn State lost in the first couple weeks of the season. I get that. But the sooner you lose, the better it is if you are if you are going to lose a game. And that just happened yeah. to be the case for Minnesota and Penn State. I would agree with you if it were like if Penn State had lost five weeks prior to somebody else that was not Minnesota. But when you lose to Minnesota recently, and Minnesota was the better team, there's no way that Penn State should be ranked higher than them unless Minnesota had another loss somewhere. But they have one loss. No, I agree. Like, I agree, but insane. no, it, it's it's total bullshit that that happened. And it, it really just comes down to when you lose. Like It, it yeah. sucks to say it but that's what it is and a lot of fans don't understand that but if you see and really sort of look at the rankings it really is when you lose because if you lose early you got the rest of your games to just keep creeping up because teams in front of you are going to lose so guess what you get automatically moved up instead of being up there high enough and all of a sudden you're dropping way out of the rankings just by a little bit and don't have enough games at the end of the season to just maybe have an upset or two to jump your way back up. So it, it matters when you lose too, which most most of the media never, ever says. Yeah, I mean... Because I, it's like, it's like a little you. hidden secret. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You give your chance the opportunity, like you said, to, to prove yourself again in other games. So, um, Yeah, I mean, that was the only thing that I noticed, though. I was kind of like, what in the hell? Like, how did that happen? I think everything should have stayed status quo. Um. But yeah, moving on. Cam's best bets of the week. Cam, what do you have on the dock for this this week? Oh baby, we got we got what two, four, six games this week, and I'm actually very excited about these games. So we're gonna first start off with one of my favorite teams to bet on every week for the past couple years is Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. So Oklahoma State, I love betting on them because you know they're going to get points with um, Gundy's offense and when they had when they usually have a really good quarterback and so this week they uh, are minus five and a half versus West Virginia and I like that a lot West Virginia is not as good since Dana Holderson left for Houston and I believe it, uh, Houston's also ranked I think like 22nd or somewhere in the 20s and I think they're going to outpower West Virginia I know it's at West Virginia, and that's a hard place to play, but I think uh, Oklahoma State has this game, and it's going to be not an easy win, but I think they win probably by 10 is my guess. My second game is UCF minus 6 versus Tulane. I believe this is – so the three games on the road so far this season, or big games for UCF, they've lost, and they've all been on the road. 
they're on the road again. So that would tell you UCF probably will lose again. Nah, I think they correct what their mistakes have been on the on the road. And I believe UCF minus six, they get the job done. And I think they win by 14 to 17 points in this game. Tulane can put up quite a bit of points with their quarterback, who is just a stud in the making. Um, I think it's, I think their quarterback is like Justin McMillan. He was a transfer from LSU, something like that. And he, he'll run the ball up and down UCF. So that's going to happen. So Tulane will score some points, but I think UCF will outscore Tulane. Tulane's a very good team. I think they're coming in at six and four. So UCF has their, um, hands tied with that game, but I think UCF minus six. Next game is Penn state versus Ohio state. And I have Ohio state minus 18. So I've been very conflicted. Most, of the, If there's a game like this big of a spread versus two top teams, you all, almost always take the plus. But Ohio State's playing at another level that we haven't seen before. And Penn State, I just don't think they're going to get up for this Ohio State game in Columbus at 12 o'clock. I think Ohio State wins this game pretty easily. I think they win by 24 to 30. Eh, I think more like 24 points. And I think they cover the 18-point spread. Normally, I don't ever bet on a spread this big when it's these two big of teams. But I'm going to ride with Ohio State minus 18. Next game is Michigan versus Indiana. And I'm taking Indiana plus 9.5. So like we said earlier in the podcast, uh, Indiana always plays Michigan tough. And it's always a close game. I'm taking the points in this. That's a free nine and a half points. I think even Indiana could win it outright. Um, so I, I'm taking Indiana. Go Hoosiers. Next game is Texas versus Baylor. Baylor's coming off that horrendous loss. Being up 28-3 to against Oklahoma. I think they are fired up. They need to keep winning. They still have a shot to make the college football playoff. And I have Baylor plus six. They're actually... Not favored in this game, which is actually surprising. And that it kind of blows my mind how Baylor is not being favored in this game. And it makes no sense after what they've been through and everything that they're playing for. I think Baylor is definitely going to do really well. And I think they Texas just hasn't been the same Texas we, team we've seen in the past couple years, um, especially with... Um, Sam Ellinger, he hasn't played to the level that he's normally playing at. And actually, I, I was mistaken. Baylor is minus six. So Baylor is favorited. So obviously, I'm taking Baylor minus six. I think they win by, I think, 10 to 14 points. But Texas is just on their heels. They just haven't been playing well, especially Sam. So I think Baylor gets the W, and it's at Baylor. So that gives them a little extra advantage. So I have Baylor minus six. And my last game is Memphis minus 14 versus USF. USF is just in the dumpster. They, they're they not a good football team. And they're going to be playing at home. And their home crowd is like 10,000 people. And they play in an NFL stadium where the butts play. And they'll have nobody there. You got Memphis coming in who's fired up. Could go to the New Year's Sitz Bowl. So they have a lot to play for. And minus 14 is... Not that big of a spread, especially with Memphis's offense and Brady White as quarterback. I think they uh, win maybe about 28 points against USF, so I'm taking Memphis, minus 14. And those are Cam's best bets of the week. How do you think you're going to do this week? We're looking at 6-0? Oh? To be honest, I think 
out of six games, I think we go four and two. Four and two. That's, I think that's a realistic uh, goal. A, I think the big toss-up is that Penn State Ohio State game because that minus eighteen is huge. And then I I think that another game that's uh, a bit big toss-up is that Michigan Indiana plus nine and a half. I'm just rolling with what the statistics say at Indiana plus nine and a half. Take the points of just how they've played the past couple of years. So. Those are, I think, the two games that are very tough betting-wise. The other games I think I get pretty easily. But watch. Watch I miss the easy games and I get the two hard games, so I go two and four. Just watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if UCF covers. I think they lose outright. Take two lane on the money line. Oh, my God. I don't know. If that happens, <laughs> just fire our coach because that's yeah. unacceptable. If, that, if you lose the two lane, where do you go as a fan? <sighs> Well, I'm going to Notre Dame, and that's not anywhere that's not special. Much better. That's not much better. At least you're choking in the big games at Notre Dame instead of the small games. So. Yeah, which <laughs> that sucks in its own right. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I know all about that. Let, let me tell you. <laughs> let me well, tell we'll take, you, buddy. We'll take Kirby We'll take Kirby Smart off your hands. <laughs> uh, we'll trade I, you. I would take a bullet for Kirby Smart. Oh, now you're saying you're saying that after your Twitter Twitter rage saying you're going to fire the coaching staff if, if they we, didn't pull the, that game if we <laughs> yet lost, last week out. If we lost to Auburn, every coach should have been fired. <laughs> See, if you exactly. have a 21-0 to zero lead going into the fourth quarter <laughs> and you lose that football game, you deserve to be fired. You know what that's called? That's called a fair-weathered fan. That's not true at all. I'm, I don't know, man. I would still – I would be – a Georgia fan regardless. That doesn't mean I have to be a fan of the coaching staff. Even if they went 0-12 for five, four seasons in a row. 100% I'd still be a Georgia fan. I have too no, much pride. Wouldn't. I have too much pride, dude. There's no way. <laughs> I made it through the Joe Cox era. I can make it through anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I don't know if that'll ever happen at the University of Georgia, at least in my lifetime. Nah. So we're not South Carolina. Yeah. They were, Can't get much worse than them. It's amazing to think that they were 0-12 when Lou Holtz was there, which is like 2000, 2001, yeah. 0-12. It's insane. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> what do you mean you're a UCF fan? What do you mean you don't know how that happens? Well, to be honest, our 0-12 season, we should have won like three or four games. If you watch the games and see how close it was, we just faltered right at the end of a couple of the games. So, honestly, that's such a misstewed record but hey they did lose the game so we did go 0-12 but hey here's the difference though it's like UCF is not like at the time was not a powerhouse program no exactly where you I wouldn't say South Carolina was a powerhouse program by any means but they've had a history program yes exactly but for you to go 0-12 at the University of South Carolina means you're losing to like the Citadel and teams like that that you shouldn't like be losing to at all as a power five yeah. program, <laughs> like you just shouldn't be, and you go zero and twelve, but yeah, it is what it is. Pretty bad. That's like Baylor uh, two years ago going one and eleven. Yeah, like one and eleven. That's Matt Rule's first first year coaching. It was just like, oh wow, <laughs> one and eleven. Then what was he like, seven and five or something? I think seven and five, and then the next year they guess where they're at now. They have one loss. Like yeah. that's how you do it. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. So, awesome, man. Well, I don't know if I'll speak to you before Thanksgiving because I'll be out of town. Uh, I think we will. We will for sure. Yeah. So, 
If not, happy Thanksgiving. To the listeners, if we don't talk to you before Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family, friends, whoever you want to spend it with or whoever you're planning to spend it with. And uh, eat a lot of good food and, and give thanks to those around you and be appreciative of all the blessings you have in your life. And with that being said, go dogs. Uh, to hell with the Aggies and to hell with Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Have a safe holiday. Enjoy family. Don't eat too much turkey. No such thing. And yeah, exactly. I'm going to have way too much turkey. Hot take before we end and this. And stay safe out there. Before we end this, what? turkey and ham might be the worst thing on the table to eat at Thanksgiving. The sides always no, are way, way I can better. Say, I can me. say ham, not turkey. Turkey and gravy is like just delicious. But I, I'm a sides guy. I like the mac and cheese, the mashed potatoes and gravy, the dressing, the pie. Uh, no, I agree you know with you, saying? but like the ham is the worst. But turkey is up there as one of the best. You can't, you can't put turkey too low. I just think that all of the sides top the main meats at any dinner, Christmas or Thanksgiving, Easter, doesn't matter. but I just had to say that before we're out so uh, see ya see ya